All right, all right, all right, all right. Day 225. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so uh, we are in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 today. And this is the last day uh, of the book of Daniel. And remember last time we talked about how Daniel is this uh, split down the middle book, right? First six chapters are Daniel and his homeboys history, right? In the Babylonian empire. And the last six are the visions that my man Daniel saw about the last days. And so here in chapter nine, uh, my man Daniel has been in the text. He's been reading the scriptures and he comes across the scroll of Jeremiah, right? That what we uh, would know of as Jeremiah 25. And he sees that God's promises, hear this, through his prophet Jeremiah, that his people would be in exile about 70 years and then there'd be a restoration is true, right? So from so from there, he begins to to pray and to fast and to have uh, to to lament and to have uh, grief before the Lord and to confess the sins of his people before the Lord. And he says, "This Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our ancestors, because we have sinned against you." Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord our God by following his instructions or a Torah, right, um, that he set before us <clears throat> through his servants, the prophets. All Israel, check this, has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Daniel, in confessing the sins of his people, points to the corporate responsibility that the people of God have to one another. He also acknowledges <clears throat> that they broke the curses. I mean, the covenant. They broke the covenant. They broke the covenant that was uh, instituted at uh, Mount Sinai, Exodus 19 to 24, and renewed in uh, the plains of Moab, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And um, the curses of Deuteronomy 28 have been fulfilled. They've been poured out on the people of God. And by the end of the prayer, Daniel, all he can do, because the people have been in such a sinful state and we've been reading about it for the last uh, nine months. Right. All he can do is appeal. Hear this to the character of God. He says, for we are not presenting our petitions. Verse 18 before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. We see that prayer, fam. Listen, prayer is the place where we appeal to God, not on the basis of our faith. Or our faithfulness, but on the basis of God's faithfulness, right? In the verse next, uh, verse 25, it says this, Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and uh, rebuild Jerusalem until an anointed one, the ruler will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Daniel gets a word from the angel Gabriel in the back half of the chapter and many interpret uh, his words here as having to do with the restoration of Jerusalem and the coming of the Lord's anointed one, the Lord's Messiah, literally until an, an anointed one, the ruler, <clears throat> an anointed one literally is Christ. It literally is Christos. It literally is Mashiach. It, it literally is Messiah. And I think what is interesting here, um, 
side note, many have come up with uh, endless theories about when this 69 weeks, 70 weeks are, uh, what that means ad nauseum, right? People have written endless theories and speculations and views about it. I am not one of them. I don't know. And um, I don't really think I uh, want to know, right? Uh, but I think one of the things we need to remember is that this is apocalyptic literature, right? So the numbers are highly symbolic, right? And I think uh, what he's getting at, I think many people would say this too, what he's getting at is the 70 weeks present the fullness of time. Now, 70 in the Bible is very significant. We can go on and on and on about how many times the number 70 occurs, and it represents the fullness of time, the completion of what God wants to accomplish is accomplished, and then the Messiah comes. And so I, I ultimately believe, obviously, like Jesus says, no man knows the day of the hour, right? It is locked up in the mind of God. But I think the thing we need to know is that the Messiah will come back. The Messiah will restore Jerusalem. The Messiah will put a stop to sin. And it will be a moment of everlasting righteousness and pervasive holiness, right? Daniel 10 comes. And my man, uh, D, he has another vision. He encounters a glorious being that looks like a human. Daniel is trembling before him and is overcome with this kind of godly fear, right? Because of these visions. And as we mentioned before, like Ezekiel, <clears throat> God's people can often become obstinate, right? Where they, they are overcome with an encounter of God's supernatural presence. And he says this, now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days. So the vision refers to those Days And so he sees a vision that has to do with the last days. One of the interesting things about Daniel is that Daniel is not a prophet uh, uh, proper. Right. So um, one of the things that's uh, crazy is Daniel. Uh, many people think Daniel is just a prophet. But what's re really true is that Daniel's uh, the book of Daniel was actually uh, in the original Hebrew ordering of the Bible is situated with the writings. So you have the law, the prophets and the writings. And Daniel is, is situated with the writings. Why? Because, well, he doesn't have um, an, a specific appointment uh, and call narrative like the major prophets do, like the Isaiah's, like the Ezekiel's, like the Jeremiah's, where God appoints him, anoints him and sends him uh, out to proclaim the word or the covenant uh, in a specific time, place, region and gives him a specific task right and so daniel but daniel does have the prophetic gift right he does see visions what have you all right so this is why there's so many visions okay so chapter 11 comes <clears throat> and daniel will receive these visions right about the greek and persian empires and the kings and kingdoms that grow out of them here and, and um and the rest of the chapter is basically a prophecy about a ton of events that unfold through the kingdoms of egypt and assyria or, or through syria excuse me uh, and many other nations and what many scholars have pointed out is the fact that these predictions by Daniel are so precise. They're so precise, very, very precise, leading up to the birth of Jesus, that it is remarkable that my man Daniel could have had this kind of foresight to pin these down, right? He had the prophetic gift. I just said it. His pen was impeccable for him to be able to point to pinpoint this way. Now, unbelievers, unbelievers or people who read this is like, ah, there's no way. What? But, but, but what's true is that Daniel actually did prophesy these things before they happened. And I think the main point and I think the text is building up to, and we see this toward the end, is that um, in chapter 11, that there will be a persecution, hear this, of God's people as they are not a nation in one place, in one time, in one land, right? And the last few verses, 36 to 45, present a shift in the narrative to what many would say is a vision of the end time, uh, a vision of the coming of the Antichrist, right? Um, and I don't want to get lost in the details because we could be all day, Um but this Antichrist uh, is going to engage God's people in deception, right, in warfare. But at the end of the day, it says, 
that he would be destroyed. Look what it says. It says he will go out with great fury to annihilate and completely destroy many. He will pitch his royal tents uh, between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain, but he will meet his end with no one to help him. It's interesting because um, some would say that uh, this is already taking place, right? The Antichrist has already come. This is why the Messiah had to die. This is why First uh, John talks about um, there are many Antichrists uh, already among you. Those who don't uh, believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is the Antichrist, all this kind of stuff. Um, one of the things I think we can take, just a practical kind of point, is that um, the Antichrist, uh, Satan, one of the things Satan is in the business of doing is uh, seeing to it that, that God's people are persecuted, yes, but also that God's people are deceived. Right. Deceive, 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 deceive. And I think we need to just be on guard uh, in our own day and age that the enemy is still out to deceive us. Right. When we see people who are walking away from the Lord, when we see people who are, are living in unrepentant sin, uh, even though they're trying to confess the name of Christ, like all of the, that is deception. Right. The enemy would love to love to have it for us to be deceived. And I think the way the way we combat the enemy's deception is remaining with God's people, leaning on God's spirit and uh, depending upon God's word and Depending upon Christ and looking to Christ uh, to lead us and guide us into truth by his spirit. Right. Um, but the good news, again, that the enemy, the, the Antichrist will be defeated. Right. The good news is that we know the end from the beginning. And because that we don't have to fear uh, our future is fixed. Our future is set. It belongs to King Jesus, who will put Satan and his demons and the powers and principalities away one day for ever. If chapter 12 or chapter 11 talks about the last days chapter 12 speaks of this last and final judgment right and the thing to know here is that there will be a judgment jesus is going to come back the new testament says over and over and over to judge the living and the dead but look what the text says about the lord's people right look what it says but at that time hear this all your people who are found written in the book hmm, will escape many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. This is one of the clearest statements of resurrection in the entire Old Testament. And as we know, more clarity surrounding the resurrection will further be unveiled in the New Testament. At the very end of time, those who were a part of this great tribulation, the great distress, the martyrdom that has taken place subsequent to Daniel's time, those that were martyred in the Roman period in the first century, those who were persecuted in the early church after the apostolic period, and those who have been slain today all across the world because of an allegiance to the Lord Jesus and the God of Israel. Guess what? They will awake. They will awake. And I love the 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 the, the language that the Bible uses when it talks about death. Even Paul, he's like, no, 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 they sleep. They just sleep right now. And he's insinuating that with the 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 state that they they are in right now is a temporary state. There is one day when God is going to come back and set up shop, and they will get up. And the proof that they will get up is that Jesus actually got up. God vindicates the righteous, right? Those who follow the way of the cross, those who lay down their lives for the kingdom will be brought up from the dust, right? From the dust. Those who have died before this time has come. The final resurrection. More likely, more than likely you and I listening, talking, me talking and you listening, have this hope rooted in the resurrection of Jesus because we are written in the book of life we are written in the lamb's book of life revelation revelation is going to call it the uh the lamb's book of life um and we are written there with with bold check this red blood-stained ink and when we rise bodily death will be a category that we no longer have useful 
And this is the end to which all of our lives should bend, right? And the good news we should proclaim to sustain us now. Let's pray. God, we ask for the grace today to live in such a way uh, that testifies that we believe that the resurrection is true. God, I pray that that would make us prayerful. God, I pray that that would make us hopeful. And God, I pray that that would, that would lead us lead to us not being fearful of, of coming with May, Lord. Our future is incredibly bright. And there's nothing anyone can do to reverse it or change it. God, fill us with confidence today because of these truths. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.